Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Yeah. I had to fail, had to fall just for what I did. This is the final word, the number one ranked cricket podcast of our hearts. Uh, I'm Jeff Lemon. Adam Collins is with me. The song that you heard coming into the show was Earthboy Stories <laughs> and Adam and I are getting very excited because the dates of our live shows are near. They're looming. Their footsteps are growing closer to us behind the darkened forest of life through which we walk. Melbourne, November 18th. It's pretty close to capacity so if you want to come to that show you should get a ticket. Adelaide, November 27th. We've got a bit more time there. We've got a very good crowd uh, already booked to come in so come on down for a four hour happy hour as well on the 27th in Adelaide. If you're near any of those cities, make the pilgrimage. Come on down. We've travelled a lot. You can do some travelling for us if you're not nearby. Khan. Yeah, I, I've been I've been thinking more and more about it because it is getting close. Everyone that I tell in mm. Melbourne that this show is happening at the Mission, the, the Seafarers, is thrilled because they all know about it. They all know it's a place you you, you go and have a pretty good time. Uh, and, and we're going to have a great time on the 18th and, and on the 27th as I mentioned. I think when we announced the show uh, it, it is perhaps not what I thought initially the Ambassador Hotel. We, we were told it's where the 1948 Invincible stayed before jumping on the boat or something like that. That might be an apocryphal tale that did the rounds at the Sunday Mail about 15 years ago, but it doesn't matter because we're going to make it a cricket venue for the night with Jason Gillespie. Uh, it's 30 bucks a head, which will pay for itself if you want to get there and enjoy the four-hour happy hour. Uh, at Melbourne, as, as you said, Jeff, there's a lot of people who have already signed up. This show mm. back in January was... So much fun. Uh, we're going to make it so much fun again. There'll be plenty of in-jokes for those of you who've been with us uh, through the journey on the final word over the last five or six summers and, and all the rest. So finalwordcricket.com is where you can do that. And as you mentioned as well, that the Melbourne show will sell out probably in the next week, I reckon. So the, the, as in, it'll sell out before the night itself. So We're also pleased to announce that Dirk Nannis will be joining us for the Melbourne show, fittingly for a former Victorian state champion. He's the left-arm quick. He bowled up the leg. And we've had the pleasure of working with Dirk around the ABC cricket coverage over a few years. He's a, a very entertaining character and glad to be able to have him along for the Melbourne show as well. The sooner you can jump on and secure and book a place, uh, the better. Uh, and if you do want to bring your cricket club along, it's probably a bit late to mention this, but we thought of it the other day. If you want to bring your team along, um, let us know uh, and we can organise a group discount. I think it's only right that if you're bringing a group of 11 along or something like that um, from your club that we can find a way to knock a little bit off the price and, and make it worth your while if you're coming in from a long distance or getting a bus in um, with with, uh, with guys and girls you play with. Uh, do let us know. Drop us a message on the Final Word Cricket Gmail account and then j- jump on and grab some tickets at finalwordcricket.com. That's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah, that's right. You can find us on Twitter or, or uh, you can message us through Patreon as well. If you yep. sign up on the Patreon account, you get a direct line to us. So let us know if you have a particular story or, or something we need to accommodate or whatever it is. We're very helpful, to, very very happy to try to be helpful. I'm yep. not going to say we are very helpful. I'll say we aim to be helpful. <laughs> the other difference between previous editions of the show and this one is that I'm back in Australia. So even though you and I aren't quite co-located yet, you're, you're in Melbourne and I've been in Tasmania for the last week. Indeed, it's mm. it was snowing where I was in Hobart this morning. So we were talking about last week that the poor attendance figures for the uh, the T20 internationals around the country so far, and we'll come back to those in a minute, I'm sure. But um, it is a bit of a reminder that it's not 
doesn't quite feel like cricket season down in this part of the world at least uh, we were up on uh, Mount Wellington this morning and uh, yeah it's not a cliche to say that it snows up here in the summer because well we may not be mm. quite in summer yet but yeah it, it's been feral the weather here uh, since I arrived yeah. with the exception of one day Summer hits Hobart on around January 20th and it leaves Hobart on around February 10th. So, um, yeah, yeah to, to expect people to be out and about at the cricket on days like that. I, I have a fair bit of sympathy for Cricket Tasmania with um, the stick that they've got for their crowds over the years. Nonetheless, uh, so we've got those things. We're going to do a short little round of nerd pledge as well uh, to get through a few of the numbers. Um, we've had a couple of messages from people saying, have you lost my number? No, we haven't. We just have a lot to get through because they, they keep coming in and people love playing this game and we love playing it too. So we'll get to that. Um, we'll get to the interview in the second half, but we've got a few cricketing subjects quite a few to try to churn through in the next half hour or so and 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 not take our time with it um australia the men's team in the t20s have been rolling along they've smashed pakistan twice really but didn't get the result in the first game because they got rained off 11 balls short of getting a result you have to have five overs bowled before you can bring duckworth lewis into play australia were comfortably in front with aaron finch clobbering 26 off and over from muhammad Irfan, the the seven footer so Australia were going to win if they'd got another 11 balls in. But the uh, the match referee had opted to take a 20-minute break between innings, even though there'd been an 80-minute break for rain during that match. So figure that out, if you will. Um, they had a big interruption in the middle of Pakistan's innings, reduced it, had 14 balls left to play. Pakistan pace those 14 balls and then they decide they need another 20 minutes off so yeah. work that out if you can well well what i i mean i didn't get to watch that game because it was when i was at a wedding but from what i've subsequently read the match referee has discretion to turn the 20 minute break into a 10 minute break if they see fit which is why the australian camp were was so frustrated so i'm not sure whether uh javagal srinath's accounted for that but Either way, it did seem a fraction odd. I mean, the whole there have been different parts of these six games. I guess the six takes place tomorrow, but the six games that have been played across um, the men's T20s to start the international summer. There have been some quirky bits. I mean, on two separate occasions, the, the DRS hasn't had the ability to call for ball tracking. I mean, I'm not sure what the go is there. Mm. I, I read again that um, in one of the reports that that's to do with the host broadcaster, to, who in this case has been Fox Sports. I'm not sure how it is the case in 2019 that we have a situation where um, that technology isn't available. Uh, and Ben McDermott, I mm. believe, was the was the unlucky man on Sunday. And in, on Friday, in fairness, it didn't make a huge amount of difference because the ball was pitching outside the leg stump. But, I mean, let's forget about the actual instance of when it occurred. You just apply it to, you know, what if DRS didn't work during a test match, mm. during, you know, the, the, the last over or something like that. Yeah, it might seem like we're, we're stretching, um, you know, uh, well, reality DRS there. But occasionally th these things do happen. So uh, we, we've become conditioned to having the technology. It's only right that, that it works. Right, DRS didn't work in what could have been the last over of the Headingley Test when um, there was a, a an incorrect reading on that LBW um, non-referral or the inability to have a referral against Ben Stokes when you know it seemed to um, take a trajectory that the ball couldn't have taken due to a computing error. So you know but that didn't end up having an impact because Australia weren't able to review it. But Ben McDermott's one, the weird thing there and what I haven't been able to quite get an answer to is the team that appeals presumably loses their review no. despite the fact that it could have been umpire's call. The one thing that became clear at the MCG on Friday night was that Australia did retain their review. But also that has an influence because... It was mm. a, a review in, in hope rather than expectation, pitching comfortably outside the leg stump, yeah. if memory serves me correctly. They should have been punished by losing their referral opportunity and, and they weren't on, on that occasion. So, I mean, the, the, the SCG scoreboard... No, I, I'm talking about the one that ben, when Ben McDermott was facing. Oh, sorry, right, he was, right. he was struck. So he was hit on the pad um, and given out. He appealed the decision and then having appealed the decision... Um, there was nothing conclusive to be able to overturn the decision because there was no ball tracking. Uh -huh. The ball was probably still hitting the stumps, but was it hitting the stumps umpire's call or was it hitting them flush? Uh. And I don't actually know whether Australia lost their review, their batting review or not, because, you know, they wouldn't have lost it had it been an umpire's call but still given out. Yeah, well, on the back of the precedent from Friday night, I suspect they would have retained it. But by mm. the by, it, it is... 
yeah, it, it's odd. You don't expect to sort of see these things. And, uh, yeah, the SCG scoreboard evidently wasn't working at one stage, nor was the PA. And, uh, you know, it, it, it made for a fairly shambolic sort of experience. And I should add, there, there was uh, there, there was some, some good counterpoints made that um, Sydney desperately needed that rain and parts of New South Wales, which have been crying out for rain to, to burst, well, not burst a drought, but to, to help... Um, give some reprieve uh, to what's been a pretty barren stretch and um, some great videos on social media of farmers in particular enjoying that that storm but still from a purely cricket perspective it, it meant that they weren't able to get a result in that first game so yeah the, I mentioned the attendance since Jeff uh, Kevin Roberts was on Jared Waitley's show uh, today and he said they're 36,000 down collectively across the five fixtures to start the summer, they think they'll make that up in the swing and roundabouts of, you know, a long international summer. They, they're expecting the Boxing Day test, for example. They should get more than that um, in return. So, I mean, we'll see at the end of the summer when they account for these things in the annual, annual report or however it is that we, we, we uh, get to see those projections against reality. But, yeah, it's been a, a slightly strange start. I, I was just flicking through in this um, Airbnb I'm staying at this week um, a, uh, the 2005 uh, a copy of Wisdom it's nice and beaten up too so whoever owns this house obviously enjoys the, the work of Matthew Engel when he was running the good book back in that era but there's a there's a passage here about the summer of 2003-2004 um, written by Christian Ryan who, who was the, the Australian correspondent at the time every so often an Australian summer comes along that stirs the senses days feel longer traffic queues feel shorter distractions like war slip away I don't think this is going to be one of those summers. I, I, I don't think we're going to get a summer where, um, you know, football vanishes, for example, or that cricket dominates the mm. public discussion. I, I hope that's the case during especially the World T20 um, tournament. The women are playing in February and March, but it just doesn't, I don't know, you're, you've been in the middle of it throughout so far, but it, it feels like we, we aren't anywhere near that stage yet. Are you saying that, you know, if... Nat Fife goes to the beach on a particularly nice day, you know, that might be leading the back page rather than, you know, with a, with a nice shirtless pick rather than whatever's happening at, well, uh, at the Wackers or the, the New Perth Stadium. Well, you, well you, I don't think, I think you might have observed this on Twitter and you weren't the only one that all the shots all the shots on television of players coming back to training and as though that's really a story, um, you know, professional athlete returns to job where they have to be professional athlete. That's more newsworthy at the moment evidently than, than cricket. So, I mean, that's just disappointing but also perhaps partially affected by the fact that we've just come off a really long winter campaign for the men mm. with the Ashes and the World Cup. There might be a little bit of fatigue. But yeah, I guess a bit of a slow burn. But the, the good news is we have five test matches on the way. But also that I think fundamentally Australian audiences don't care that much about T20 internationals. Um, you know, might if Australia wins a World Cup in the format, but as yet they're not really that excited by that format and those games are on pay TV which means they're not getting to a big audience but Steve Smith did his bit the other night to try to get that to a wider audience that was I remember we were discussing a few weeks ago whether Smith was the right option to be in that T20 side which was a, a genuine question but he's looked the part the the couple of times when he's been called on um, you know with with a decent chase to get in the last couple of weeks because I think what he did the other night was that's exactly what he's there for when they're chasing a sort of mid-range target lost a couple of wickets early and he's able to be that steadying hand through the middle you know you could you can crunch the numbers through the analysis in the way that that Freddie Wilde and Crickviews and so on have done to say that he's not necessarily the player you want in your side if you're trying to make 220 or 230 and put a game miles beyond a, a really powerful batting opponent but in a game where he was up against a very good bowling attack from Pakistan, they bowled well. You know, they, it wasn't a case that they were taken apart and yet they were still beaten comprehensively because his 80 runs that he made at a very good clip as well. You know, usually in the IPL, he's going at about a strike rate of 120. I think he's been going at 135, 140 across the, the games, that, the internationals that he's played here. And his, um, his adaptability, the, the, there was the over against Muhammad Amir where he played three shots for four through the offside, all completely different strokes, you know, all to decent balls. And he's just got these sort of elastic arms and he's able to contort himself into positions and then have the pure hand-eye coordination to strike the ball despite his feet being nowhere near the line of it and find the gaps on the offside fence. So it was an extraordinary display. Yeah, you know what I think? It, it kind of showed that when we think of Smith in T20 cricket, we talk about being the glue or the middle overs player or uh, it's almost a derogatory way to interpret a player who is a once-in-a-generation talent. I, I, and sometimes when I think Steve Smith has been set 
um, a challenge. He, he feels determined to prove people wrong. Well, sorry, I'm not saying sometimes. Mm. He always feels that way. You get that that sense whenever he's had a, a run of bad form. He, he's very determined character. And he would have read um, the, the speculation that he may not be part of the thinking for the World T20 in 12 months' time. He would have read that people didn't necessarily think that he was the right fit uh, in the side. And there he goes and shows that he can be just as extravagant as AB de Villiers. I mean, some of those... Shots you talk about the, the Muhammad Amir over. I saw a compilation of boundaries he struck in that game where they where they picked up some balls from Muhammad Irfan uh, and Amir pitching in exactly the same spot on about fifth or sixth stump, and he was putting one over mid wicket and one over third man. I mean, this is a guy who is uniquely talented in that respect. The way that he can manoeuvre the ball and get his hips around to where they need to be to make perfect contact and. I think that this was statement week for Steve Smith in the short form of the game, having not played a, a T20 international since the, the, the global tournament all the way back in, in March 2016, and, and he's certainly done that. Um, and it's good timing as well that both he and Warner, upon returning to Australia, have piled on runs. Warner um, wasn't dismissed until the fifth of those games uh, between Sri Lanka and Pakistan. And, you know, Freddie Wild, again, mentioning uh, the, anal- the analyst from Crickviz, he, he sort of mounted the case that, if, if it's Coley in one day and it's Smith in, in tests, then it's hard to look past David Warner in T20s. And you look at the body of work he's put together from, I think it's possibly the when he got injured in the Bangladesh Premier League all the way through until now. It's astonishingly consistent when you consider how volatile T20 cricket is. And he's only picked up where he left off uh, for Australia in this form of the game, uh, having had that long spell a- away from it um, since the, the the series in New Zealand in early 2018. So as far as Smith and and, uh, and and Warner, there was some speculation a few weeks ago that why do they need to necessarily have room made for them in the T20 side? Well, well, they've proven why in this series. And maybe that's the most important learning of the last two weeks alongside perhaps the fact that the Agar-Zampa spin combination is working really well, which is, I'm sure will be comforting for the selectors because Agar, um, you know, has been in and out of national consideration in, in, in recent years. And, and Adam Zampa got punished out of the, the, the World Cup this year. They went for Nathan Lyon, went to Nathan Lyon rather in, in the pointy end. So the fact that mm. Zampa's bounced back pretty well uh, and been really consistent. I think Agar's gone for like two boundaries or something like that in, in five games, which says a lot about the way he's been able to control the game in the middle overs. So it's kind of a lot of ticks there, isn't there? The fast bowlers we already knew about. Um, perhaps the one thing from an Australian perspective that you'd like to see is Ashton Turner getting more of an opportunity, but it's a good problem to have that he's been stuck down there at number six, not needing necessarily to finish innings a couple of... Well, he's re- only batting at five, actually. Oh, sorry, batting he's, at five, right. Turner's at five because Kerry's at six, Agar's right. at seven. So right. Turner's been at five and he hasn't been able to get a hit because, yeah. you know, the top three have done the job every time. Well, yeah, so frustrating for him and, and I'm sure they would have wanted to have seen him given an opportunity on the bigger stage. Uh, but he'll have the big bash and, and I'm sure when they play, they've got a lot of games between now and next October. I think there's five different bilateral series they're playing in around the world. So, yes, it may have gone almost too well as far as he's concerned in the last couple of weeks, but that'll turn. Cricket always mm. does. Glenn Maxwell missing from most of this series after that very quick half century you made early on he's on a mental health break that news came through just after we hit record last week so we didn't get to address it there but it's something that you know he's he's been commended for having the awareness to know that he needed to do that but it's um you know it's it's a an unexpected thing it's still an unusual thing in professional sport to see athletes actually make that decision to count themselves out yeah, I mean, it was, a, 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 you know, it kind of reinforces what do we know about mental health, about anyone's mental health. What, why, why do we assume one thing to be true with a person that might give off this sort of cliche, but depressive tendencies versus another? Because, you know, the first thing that everyone's mind jumped to was the ostentatious innings he played in Adelaide and the, the, um, the, the way that he was uh, so positive on the microphone at the Brisbane T20 the day before that he um, took some leave of absence. So, and we talked to Rob Smythe about this in, in the interview that's coming up later, but it's a timely reminder that we, we shouldn't assume anything about one's mental health. And uh, hopefully um, Glenn is getting uh, the time out of the game that he needs and the time away. I mean, it's been a fairly rugged 18 months for him in, in many respects from a cricketing perspective, and he, he always appears so resilient, um, but it must take a toll uh, being one of the most... 
uh, one of the most scrutinised cricketers on the planet. Uh, I, I note that John Hastings was on radio on RSN with Adam White and Daniel Harford last week talking about his relationship with Glenn and um, recalling when uh, there was that episode, uh, well, must have been four or five years ago now, when he let the ball go and it hit his middle stump for the Melbourne Stars. And um, the social media was so remarkable, and Glenn went through it all. And at the time, John Hastings was saying, you should get out of this altogether. You shouldn't be reading this kind of stuff about you and, and so on. And that's what we yeah. don't have to deal with. You know, if you're outside of the public eye, you don't have to experience that that kind of scrutiny and, and there's often a lot of it for Glenn so he gets away from this now um, Kevin Roberts was I mentioned that the interview he did this morning but he was he was he made a really interesting point that um, they are looking at mental health um, as a prerequisite for their new national selector that's going to replace Greg Chapel not the mental health mm-hmm. of the selector but they want someone who is savvy enough to identify when someone should or shouldn't be picked and have the ability to have a relationship with the players that extends beyond just spreadsheet columns and bat and ball but also to the, the yeah. well-being of a player so that, that they don't get into a situation where players are being picked when they shouldn't be and, and I guess vice versa so it, it is instructive that the, the, the support network seems to be more pronounced than it's ever been in the sport which is a good thing and as we talk about with Rob Jeff it's nowhere near where it should be yet but it feels like we're making strides in the right direction and you know bravo uh, to Glenn for having the the, uh, the wherewithal to say that he needed to get away because um, you know as I think we touch on with Rob as well that just wouldn't have been the case 10 years ago in professional cricket especially not men's cricket. I think you've got to be careful with something like factoring in mental health for selections because that can also have the the negative effect of having players try to conceal when they're struggling because they're worried they won't get picked so I mean you, you come across that kind of thing in the military a lot where there's a small amount of mandated psychological assessment but it's basically pretty token and a lot of a lot of men especially in the military won't admit that they're having any problems because it's likely to get them you know to cost them assignments or potentially cost them you know promotions that sort of thing because other you know others around them aren't convinced that they're up to the job so i think there's a there's a potential double-edged sword there for that uh, factoring that in well yeah that's a fair response uh, I, I can see that as well but the fact that that's even part of the conversation like you know the, we are looking at the, the well-being of these of these uh, of, of people in these highly pressurised positions and that we're looking at making sure that their mental health is front and centre and talking about that and making sure that's part of the, the conversation for those who are higher up um, is positive. And mm. yeah, I'm sure there's a, a degree of um, risk associated with that, but better that than, uh, than, than just disregarding it altogether. So, um, you know, I, I think with all of these different instances and uh, and experiences as we learn and um, get more information we we do you know inch our way forward in, in getting to a better place on the subject of mental health that's obviously very strongly linked to gambling um problem gambling gambling addicts producing about 40 percent of the revenue for for all gambling organizations and uh, a new season the same old shit with um cricket australia's website their social media all the rest of it the the boundary ropes on the ground and so on being absolutely smothered with um the advertising for their betting partner of choice um that they're still officially a gold partner of cricket australia on the on the sponsors list yep and a, a very strong and pretty embarrassing contrast this week that Cricket Victoria have renewed their partnership with the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. Wasn't so there? Wasn't that just gold? Organ- so there, there's, the, there's all the tweets going up, the sponsored content on, on Cricket Australia's Twitter feed from a gambling agency. And, and I appreciate that they've been with CA since 2012, but it feels like it gets more pervasive and you know we, we, we've had discussions on on the show about this before and members of cricket australia in the inner sanctum have, have talked to us and asked us to keep the pressure on them and we'll continue to do so um but it, it definitely feels like it takes a step up each summer uh, and seeing that the play of the day is sponsored by this company and their, their branding everywhere um it does jar significantly and then you see um a victorian player who who featured in the play of the day aaron finch uh, against pakistan in sydney when he took her fun for all those runs around the park in that abandoned game and then you look at the, the the team where he's from victoria the state association and this hilarious line in the press release i say hilarious for us i mean it's a very good line um the partnership involves the foundation working with Cricket Victoria, the Melbourne Stars, the Renegades and community cricket clubs across the state to help reduce the exposure of young people to gambling promotions, especially sports betting ads, which are precisely what 
Cricket Australia are playing with in their promotion of the game. It's just, it's just, it's just, you couldn't fucking make it up. Seriously, I mean, good on Cricket Victoria though. I mean, you know, we've got to um, give them praise for um, stepping outside um, the uh, the lane on that. As far as their relationship with CA, I'm sure that's not an easy conversation they have each year um, on Jollymont Street there. So, um, but yes, uh, we're going to keep a watching brief on this relationship as, as the year goes on. Uh, hopefully there'll be no more webpage takeovers like there was last year. That was just cringeworthy and embarrassing. Um, the sponsorship signs around the ground once the test matches start, as you say, they've definitely got the betting, the, the boundary rope rather is ca- covered in betting. They're already there. They've, they've been there for all the, all the T20s. Oh, right. So okay. I, did, I didn't notice yeah. it at the MCG, but to be fair, I hadn't slept for three days by that point. But, um, but uh, you know, um, when it comes to this relationship, uh, CA need to be better. We've had a long discussion about this after the Perth Test match last year. Uh, Cricket Australia are fundamentally publicly funded because they don't pay tax uh, given their non-for-profit status and yet they still elect to uh, buddy up with, with a joint uh, that, that, mm. they, that, they, that they do not need to. They elect to. As Ed Cowan said on Twitter um, during the World Cup when, when this conversation was going on, uh, it, it should be the easiest conversation an executive has when offered this kind of money. No thank you. But for another summer, Cricket Australia has said, yes, thank you. We, we'll make you a gold member. So shame on them for this. And as you say, Jeff, um, it, it does jar as well when we're talking about someone suffering from mental illness and taking some time away from cricket that we know that problem gambling is one of the biggest drivers of uh, mental illness. So it brings it all back into sharp focus. I will say, if you want to punt, then punt. You know, a lot of people who listen to the show like to. Um, I'm, I'm sure we've been involved at times in our lives that's not the issue, but it, it's the promotion. It's pumping the idea out to people who, who are vulnerable and who don't need to be reminded that they might like to have a go. You know, I've, I've worked in a casino. I've seen up close and personal the kinds of people who are very badly damaged by their inability to control their gambling. And it's, you know, that's where the bulk of the industry's money comes from and they're, they're sick people and they need to be looked after rather than exposed to the, the same ills. And, and people who say that gambling advertising is harmless, well, if advertising didn't have an effect, then they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't pay hundreds of millions of dollars a year to promote the product if it didn't increase the take that they get. So um, they get more money coming in and we know that a disproportionate amount of that money is from people with gambling addictions. So it's yeah. very simple. It's the wrong thing to do. Stay away from it. Well, 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 that's right. I mean, uh, not wowsers, not trying to say that not to punt if you don't want to, do what you want to do. Like, everyone's got um, agency, people can do as they see fit. And I, I occasionally have a punt. It's not that I'm trying to be a Puritan, that's not the point. The point is that we know the influence on young and vulnerable people um, is profound when it comes to gambling advertising. A number of academic studies which have verified this point over a number of years, um, that's the problem. And, and secondly, that it's cricket. I mean, how exposed has cricket been to betting over the years? We mm. we talked about it on this show a week ago uh, with reference to the, the ban that Shaqib Al-Hassan is now going to serve. Not that to suggest that Shaqib was betting on games, but it all comes back to um, that, that broader yeah. um, point of, 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 uh, of, of betting money and cricket and the intersection between the two and how damaging and pernicious uh, that link has been uh, over uh, an extended period of time. So if, if any sport should be staying away from betting. It should be cricket. So Cricket Australia. And, and, and you know, we, I feel like we're repeating a conversation that we've had a few times, but we need to keep saying it. Um, it's not as though there wouldn't be companies and organisations out there who would be willing to pick up the slack and be one of those gold members. Um, it's a decision that CA are making. Uh, yeah, because they, it's they, easier. It's because easy, you've got easy a company, money. You've got a company coming to your door with a briefcase full of cash asking you if you want it and you don't have to go out and get it. So, yep. you know, make the change. So that's that's an administrative problem for Cricket Australia. Uh, one administrative advance for Cricket Australia in the last week is that they've appointed Mel Jones to the board. I think you, I haven't spoken to you about it yet, but I'm pretty sure we both agree that's a fantastic appointment. She's the, the first woman appointed by a state association. Um, she's extremely qualified. She's a qualified secondary school teacher. She's been involved in um, pathways and, and mentoring before she got into commentary. She's um, one of the most respected commentators in the game, having called just about everything in the world for the last five years. Um, she's one of those few people who's respected basically you know worldwide for what she's done in cricket so you know I, as you suggested 
to me earlier, we, we won't be entirely objective because we, you know, we already hold Mel in very high regard. But I think obviously the, the jury has to be out as to what she will do as a board member and, you know, whether she can um, be an agent for positive change in the way that I hope she will be. Yeah, got a declared interest. Uh, love Mel. Uh, great person to work with, great person to socialise with. We have such held her in such high regard. I remember first meeting her at a, at a clinic in 1998 and um, uh, after she returned from that Ashes series where she uh, made a ton in that, in, that, in that win for Australia. So, um, look, uh, known her for a long time, have a huge regard for her. I'm sure that she'll manage her own conflict elegantly and that, of course, is that she's a commentator. Uh, Mark Taylor discussed how challenging it was for him being a director and a commentator side by side. Not all the time, but there were occasions when um, serving, I guess, two different masters in different ways can be complicated. But I trust that with all of Mel's experience as a director, um, she's done a lot of different jobs over the years, most notably at Bowles Australia and, and other jobs with the state government, which have required her to sit in as a director in, in different ways um, and has been a commentator for a long period of time. And someone who's got such a respected voice uh, in, in the sport, it's, a, it's an outstanding uh, person to have on there. My, you know what my first thought was, Jeff, was that, gee, they should just make her chair. I mean, then maybe that's a bit flippant on my part, but I might, she, she might be the, the, the fresh blood uh, that you could get onto a board like that who could who could uh, do wonders for its public image. Uh, I know that there has been significant turnover on the board since what happened at Cape Town. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's a probably... As there a, should have been. It, it, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a slightly flippant and... Slightly, maybe there hasn't been enough turnover on the board. Yeah, maybe I'm being a little bit cheeky and, and, and all the rest of it, but uh, I think that if Mel is uh, on the board for a period of time, she'd be a logical person to take over as chair at some point. But, um, yeah, thrilled to see that she's uh, received this opportunity um, and as... And she's also, I should add, the first woman to be appointed by a state association. So she becomes the third woman on the board, but the other two women currently there are appointed through the independent process. She's on as a CV, a Cricket Victoria appointee. So that's another, I guess, small but important barrier to note along the way, having been cleared. Yeah, having three women on the board isn't necessarily a cause for celebration. You've got Michelle Tredenick and Jackie Hay, who who were both on the board throughout the the pay dispute that saw the entire playing group sacked, um, the period of time that was covered in the um, the ethical review that said there'd been major failures at Cricket Australia. You know, they've they've been on they've been consistent members of the board through a very ordinary period of mm. that board. So it's not like they've um, done anything to avert those problems. But I suppose true equality is when uh, women can do as bad a job as men and get promoted to the same um, the same positions of power. So that's one way of looking at it. Um, the Sheffield Shield, uh, we should have a quick chat about uh, before we wrap up segment one um, and a couple of other items on the agenda, but we should definitely talk about the Shield because it was a pretty interesting round, the penultimate round uh, before the test side will be selected for the Gabba on the 21st of mm-hmm. November. Um, not least the game that was played at the Gabba. Um, Gee, Cameron Green, um, it, it, it was a, quite the game. Uh, an unbeaten 87 in the first innings for WA, batting down at number eight, yep. and then coming in at six for 50 in the second dig when they were trying to somehow bat out a draw against the home side. And he goes on to make a, a maiden first-class ton, 121 not out. He picked up the wicket of Joe Burns. Uh, when he was bowling, of course, he, he picked up a, a first-class nine for well, match figures of nine for 42 uh, last year. Um, uh, he's played through the pathway. I think he might have been captain of the Australian under-19s a couple of years ago. At least he was in the squad. I think he was the captain. Uh, the point being mm. is that he, he may not quite be in, national, um, in the national conversation, but he did himself a lot of favours with a lot of people watching on the weekend. Yeah, look, it, it, it's pretty extraordinary to... Um, I mean, doing what he did in the, the first innings, that 87 not out, had people pretty excited. But to follow it up when you're almost certainly going to lose the game and, and just bat for long enough that, you know, they called it off 20 overs early because he'd pushed the lead out so far, 121 not out. I will note that uh, most of the boundary hitting he did came from Mitch Swepson and Jack uh, Wildermuth, the the all rounder. So it's not like he was taking down Queensland's best bowlers. I reckon up until he hit about eighty, all of his boundaries had come off those two, and then he pulled Michael Nisa for six. So, but he was good enough to take toll when whenever Schwepson gave him a, a full toss. I don't know why I keep pronouncing him as Schwepson. He's Schwepson, but somehow the Schwep of essence <laughs> of our childhoods has just got into my head. Anytime Schwepson dished up a full toss or something like that, Green was good enough to hit it away and good enough to keep doing it. So. 
you know, it, it's exciting, but you don't want to pile on the sort of early Shane Watson pressure and go, oh, look, fast bowler who can bat, new all-rounder, Keith Miller, you know, all the rest of it, because that tends to ruin players. Thank you, Davo. Yeah, they're, 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 look, they're, 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 there's a bit of that, and the fact that Ben Stokes, of course, um, just did what Ben Stokes did during the Northern Summer means that I'm certain that sometime soon we're going to try and find a replacement for, well, not a replacement for, but but someone who can who can play that role. And look, the fact that um, uh, uh, Marcus Stoinis made another 44 in the first dig, that's the third game in a row where he's made runs, not huge runs, but made contributions. Uh, so keeping an eye on him because he's done pretty well since he's been out of the Australian white ball set up playing for WA um, other performances of note in that fixture Sean Marsh 77 in the first innings Jeff. come on come on he's you coming thing. home he he's is. coming Sean Marsh he's is coming, coming home, home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, home to the Australian dressing room uh, Michael Nisa another threefer um, early wickets in, in the uh, in the first innings against WA so it, it feels as though he sh- he sh- he, he's earned his place in the squad for the first test whether he gets picked or not it's a different conversation but if he was in the squad and he keeps taking all these wickets mm. for Queensland in the shield uh, provided that he doesn't um, drop off between now and when that squad's named uh, you'd think that he deserves mm. to at least be in, in, in with a shout of playing in the first test match uh, they're moving to Adelaide, South Australia, New South Wales. Good story around Daniel Solway. Uh, he's made a first-class 100 as well. 133 not out out of 289. Only really getting an opportunity because all the, all the test players are off playing for Australia in the T20s. It's one of these things that New South Wales suffer more from because pro- proportionately they always have more test cricketers that y- you occasionally see these guys who have really excellent careers for New South Wales but do drop out of their mm. top six uh, when the big dogs return. I think of someone uh, like Ryan Carters, for example, or, or Ed Cowan early in his career before he went to Tasmania. Uh, there's a number of others who've done that over the journey, but uh, he's one of these replacements, if you like, and he, he Look, he's done himself no harm at all. He, he, he might get the opportunity to, to, to make his case through this period of the season and, and then, look, who knows whether he'll start next year or after Christmas and then the opportunity might be to go somewhere else and get a gig where he might play 10 games a year rather than four or five. What I like about Daniel Solway is that he sounds like a company that maybe sells solar-powered um, driveway panels or something <laughs> like that. Solway. Sign up with Solway and save. Um, so, you know, the, the, the more time he gets in the sun, the better. Um, Wasn't the Solway the, family, the, I think I'm right in saying there were a couple of Solways in the Canberra Comets back in the Mercantile Mutual Cup era. Maybe. From Queanbeyan Cricket Club. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it maybe it's from, from that stock. I didn't, I didn't check that before we recorded, but... There'd but be I, a great jingle in it somewhere. You'll get more the sole way. <laughs> and then a phone number, you know. So get, get the roof seal guys on it. They'll sort you out. Start the company um, and come and partner with the final word, I say. Yeah, yeah, get on, get on board. It's at the other end, the Chad, eight for, um, swung it, <laughs> just the bejesus out of the ball, took, knocked the stumps over an awful lot. Um, outside edges, all, uh, LBWs, all the rest, um, the Chad was great. 13 for 131 for the match for Chad. I mean, look, the probability of him playing for Australia again isn't great. Let's call it for what it is. Even though he did very little wrong in his one and only test performance in that really weird week at Johannesburg in 2018. But what more can you do? You, you watch those highlights and look, they don't lie, do they? The way he swings the ball around corners, finds outside edges on demand. He's, he's one of the most talented bowlers of his generation he's not one of the quickest so therefore he's perhaps not one of the best overall packages but for sheer skill uh he, yeah well, I've, I'm, I'm so glad that he's got that chance to have played for Australia but also glad that he's bounced back because last year his summer was riddled with injury he was out of the South Australian setup for quite a while as a consequence and it was kind of a, a terrible way to end what should have been a really happy year for him having made that debut in South Africa. But he's back in business. So 13 for 131, good as gold. And Travis Head, um, a timely unbeaten century as well in the first innings. Head's a funny one, isn't he? Uh, Whether he'll be in that first test side, you think he probably will be but until this week he hadn't made a massive score either so mm. um, it, it's no it, he's no lock for it so he, he did need runs I think that answers the question though like he, he makes that hundred that gives them the the alibi to pick him he's you know he's part of the long-term plan so you need to get him into that side where you can there, there's no 
there's there's no obvious superior candidate screaming for selection. Um, Josh Hazelwood picked up six for 35. His best figures um, got South Australia to the, the win regardless of Chad's and Trav's efforts. So, um, and, and Hazelwood himself was saying during the weekend, oh, he no, he's a lock to get picked. So <laughs> you're in a pretty good spot if... Yeah, I know he. I know he is, but you know, there's it's 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 a pretty strong position when there's some chance that Hazelwood might not be in the side. He will be. Um, and then the Vicks had a had a shocker at Bell Reeve, got bowled out for 127. Maddinson, 69, nice, nice from 68 balls. What's he doing down at five? He's been opening the batting with to great results. But it's best then, I can then, tell. Uh, then Travis Dean came back in. Well, it's best I can tell. Isn't he opening the batting for Australia? Eh? Um, I I think that when I read that squad when it was announced last week, the way I interpreted it was that Maddinson was going to open for Australia A and, you know, essentially yeah. given an opportunity to, to bash his way into the test side for Brisbane. Unlikely. As granted. an opener. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he's he's made five shield hundreds for Victoria, I think I'm right in saying. Um, yep. Obviously went to the top of the list at the start of the season, made a double uh, down at the Junction Oval. So it's, it's almost, I mean... Yeah, mm. w- w- I don't really see how that added up. I'm sure there was commentary at the time, but he did a fantastic interview also on, on Jared's show last week talking about his um, travails and his first hint in the test side. I can recommend tuning into that. He seems like a fantastic young guy, Nick Maddinson, who's you know, ready for another opportunity at test level if it comes, but he gets his chance now in the, um, in the Australia A fixture, and if he makes bulk runs there, he's, he's at least a puncher's chance. Um, I know that... Um, Marcus Harris also made a half century in the second dig and he's the incumbent. Hanscom also made 50, but Victoria all at 237. Um, Jackson Bird, seven wickets for the game, Jeff. I know you're one of his biggest fans for a fairly long period of time, but I mean, Jackson Bird has every reason to still think that he could still have an international career. He's done very little wrong. Some bowlers just won't go away. Jack Bird, the Chad, they, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll keep doing it and they'll keep being in the frame, I suppose, when injuries inevitably strike as Australia's elite four can't be fit and available all the time because, uh, well, it's never happened before the Ashes this year and it probably won't last for very long. <laughs> um, just very quickly, England had a nightmare across in New Zealand where they were, what, they needed about 42 off 30 balls, I think, with um, eight wickets in hand in a T20 and contrived to lose that game. Um, they're down 2-1. They've got two to play against New Zealand. Yeah, I, I watched the first game closely and the second game not quite as closely. Missed the third one altogether, but they were in really good nick. Um, to begin with, James Vince uh, batted fantastically well on Friday. Uh, I think they're at Christchurch at Hagley Oval, and they've lost the next two. Uh, Pat Brown's probably the standout for England. I'm thrilled to see Pat Brown um, being talked about uh, as a serious um, sort of global closer as a bowler. Did a great job on international debut. He's been picked up by the Melbourne Stars yesterday, I note, which is great news for him, um, showing um, that... The T20 Blast really is a, a fantastic breeding ground for these young England players. Uh, David Milan made 55 off 34 just as he was announcing that he was leaving Middlesex for Yorkshire, which I note some very salty comments on social media about all of that. So we won't go into great depth, but needless to say, um, the, the politics of players moving from county to county it can get nasty. And Milan, who's, of course, the captain of Middlesex, well, now the outgoing captain of Middlesex and he's played 15 test matches and, you know, an international player at T20 level. It's, it's a big loss for the London club now moving up north to Yorkshire where he says he feels like they want to win trophies. So but the, read, read into that what you will. So there's two more games in that series and then they move on to test matches which will correspond with Australia's against Pakistan there. They're going to be played at the same time at the back end of November and the start of December. The World T20 qualifiers were almost done when we recorded last week. The The last couple of spots have been confirmed. Ireland, Papua New Guinea, Namibia, Scotland, oh man, and the Netherlands. I was just thinking of Man, oh man. Man, oh man. Show in oh, the, I, what the I've mid-90s. Always, well, the, ma- guest. the Man, oh man pool uh, until a couple of years ago, I believe, yeah. still lived at Channel 7. So imagine you could acquire that and, and buy the Man, oh man pool. One day, we should be so lucky. That and the, wow. and the blue football from the top of the VFL Park scoreboard, one day I will own at my house. Yeah, and you, you'll get Rob Guest to come around and just, I'm just not, push I'm, some people in it. I'm not sure Rob Guest is still with us, but, you know, by the book. Is he? I, I, oh, well, I, let's get him in spirit. Yeah, we'll, um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get John Edward involved. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it happen. There's got to be a way. Um, they are in the pools with Sri Lanka, in the pool, so to speak, man, oh, man, in right. the pool, with, with Sri Lanka and Bangladesh uh, as the two lowest teams on the T20 rankings worldwide. So they'll be playing a sort of pre-tournament before the, the main tournament, They're, uh, sort of 
of medium dance before the big <laughs> dance, if you will. Um, uh, in October, one group will be at Bell Reeve in Tassie. One will be at Cardinia Park. Their banners will fly on high from dawn to dark <laughs> down at Cardinia Park in Geelong. So we're going to have to divvy those up between we us. Are. Um, well, I, I know Geelong like the back of my hand, so I'll be I'll be down there. I was going to say you, you um, can you can go to the Geelong League, you can go to the Lyric Nightclub each night, and you can marvel at the Dermot icon, Burton. Icon the, the, used to be a good one. The Dermot Burton mural on the wall there, you can you can enjoy that, and, and I'll I'll stay here in in Hobart. I can imagine if, if it was snowing in Hobart this morning in well, what is it, middle of well, nearing the middle of uh, November? What's it going to be like on October the eighteenth, playing at Bell Reef? I'm looking forward to finding out. So um, I think well, Pool A is being played here in Pool Pool B been playing it uh, at the Cat Attack at, um, at Cardinia Park. So, and then the, the, those, those two of those teams will go through to the the final twelve, which will be the bigger of the dances. It, kind of, we missed that last week with our our big dance critique. They haven't qualified for the the dance at all, have they? They've, they've qualified for the, the the chance to go to the dance. What's well, a sort of prelude to to the to the big dance? I suppose mm. it depends. Maybe it's the big dance and, and the even bigger dance. It mm. How big are the dances? What's <laughs> what's the biggest dance you can have? These are the kind of questions we we need to answer. Why in the episode last week did I call it the big dance and this week it's the big dance? I don't know. Well, like I, I can't track any of this stuff. I've got no idea. Yeah. Well, well the big dance. I note that at Hagley Oval uh, at. At, at Christchurch last week. They played Darude Sandstorm a couple of times in the middle of the afternoon in Christchurch. Not the place you'd normally expect to hear it. Um, so um, th- I'm sure that'll get a run in, in all the various dances at the World T20 next year. As it should, as it should. I'm, yeah, as, as I said, I'm pretty sure Chris Cairns had it for his music <laughs> in about 2001 when <laughs> New Zealand were playing at the MCG um, in an ODI. I'm pretty sure I remember that. A little unknown, um, a little known fact about Chris Cairns. He also had it played for him as he walked into the Crown Court in 2015. Yeah. They also played <laughs> That was his walking music. Yeah. <laughs> he he just had a he just had a big like JBL Bluetooth speaker that he carried <laughs> in himself and just hit play <laughs> before he stepped into the witness box. Just really gets him in the in the frame, you know, gets him in the zone to answer some questions about things he said to Brendan McCullum or didn't say to Brendan McCullum. Right. Uh, we're almost there, but we've got to do a very quick round of nerd pledge. Nerd pledge! Nerd, nerd pledge. pledge. Um, the game we play with nerds and pledges, what happens is that we have a patron page for the podcast in which people give us small amounts of money that incrementally help us uh, pay for making the podcast and taking the time out to do it, which is amazing. And thank you all so very much. And one of the things they do is rather than giving us a normal amount of money that's like $2 or $4 or $5, they give us an amount that corresponds to a cricketing number. And then we have to work out what that number is. Uh, Although some people do give us a normal about, like Margaret Tyson. Thank you, Margaret Tyson. I very much appreciate your work. Obviously, a member of the Typhoon Tyson family. Um, The Typhoon moved out to Australia after wrecking Australia in 1957, was it? That Mm. that Ashes, um, you know, eventually was a long-time resident of Sydney, I think, as was Harold Larwood. So the the great um, English quicks ended up coming out here for the weather, and I'm sure that Margaret... Is, is probably related to the Tyson tree in some way. And also Siobhan Williams. Thank you, Siobhan. And Siobhan Williams, um, I, I know that she uh, she auditioned to play Margaret Thatcher in The Crown. So a bit of a, really? a crossover there with Margaret and, and Siobhan between their nerd pledges, who would have thought? Wow. Gillian, okay. Anderson, um, got the, Gillian Anderson got the gig, but had it been me, I, I would have given it to Siobhan. Yeah, Siobhan, uh, I mean, she put together... A, I thought the tape was amazing. I wasn't mm. there with you, but I saw the tape. No, and, I was. Uh, I, I was. She, I was directing it, and um, it was yeah. just superb. I thought she did a creditable performance. So, um, but thanks for joining up, Siobhan. Right, the Nerd Pledge numbers. Matt McD, um, obviously involved with the burger franchise in some way, trying to keep it on the down low, but hasn't quite succeeded. Sorry, Matt. Matt McD has sent us in one $1.81. This this jumped off the page at me. Uh, uh, it's jumped off the page at you, and it hasn't quite jumped off the page at me. It's always a bit daunting when you say to me beforehand, "Oh no, no, the first one you've got it, mate. You'll you'll, you'll nail the first one." I haven't I haven't got it straight away. One eighty one. Think about it. One eighty one. What's a what's a? It, it was the top of the tree for a long time. One eighty one. Uh, well, it's not. Jeez, uh, it's, it's not a Bannerman sort of thing because Bannerman didn't make one eighty one. No. So that, when you say top no. of the tree, that's intuitively what I think. I think Gary Kirsten made one hundred and eighty one. No, it was one eighty eight, wasn't it? The ninety six World Cup. I think it's top of the tree. But before, that, before that, before that, Viv Richards one eighty one. 
BBQ is one eighty one at the at the uh, at the uh, at, at 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 Old Trafford during our previous it? World at Cup nine eighty three nine eighty seven. Oh God, this this is quite bad. I'm missing up my World Cups, but he made it at a World Cup, and I think it was yep. in Manchester. I don't know where it was, but I just know that it was the highest score in one day cricket for a very long time. I don't know. It must have been it must have been a Lords, mustn't it? Or is it just the highest one day score at Lords was Viv Richards? We always see that that banner draped across. Uh, the, the, the artist formerly known as a Compton Yeah, stand. it probably is because um, because there's always Marcus Triscothic's got the highest one for England, which is about 136. And right. I always think, like, come on, surely somebody can beat 136. <laughs> How has Tress still got a banner up at... Well, it's not there anymore because they've knocked the stand down. So the 181, I don't know where it was. All I know is that I always knew that Viv had 181, which was the highest ever one-day score for a long while until Kirsten and then until Syed Anwar's 194. Yeah, so it was at Lords in the 1983 uh, World Cup, I think. Although now I've said mm. that, I'm second guessing myself. You know what? You made 181 at some point, and let's hope that's yeah. what the nerd pleasure. I didn't look to. up where it was. I just knew that it was Viv. So okay. I'm going to assume that Matt McDee has gone for Viv. Michelle Garland has come through with 156. A great supporter of the show on the, the online stuff as well. Michelle, uh, thank you for joining on. Thank on you, Nerd Pledge. 156, Adam. Uh, Michelle was in my mentions this morning for something or another, something stupid Tasmania-related, I think, that I was gibbering on about last night. Um, I, I, what, what was the number that Michelle's popped in? 156. Okay. 156, 156. is the amount. Well, that's also a record, Jeff. That 156 was a, was a record for a long time until it was broken by possibly Ricky Ponting or possibly Sachin Tendulkar. And or possibly n- Raul Dravid. Or possibly Steve Waugh. A number of people have broken it since. He played 156 test matches, which was the record at the time. So maybe an AB fan is Michelle. That would stand to mm-hmm. reason. I note, just from a quick look before, that Gary Balanche made 156 in a test match, as did John Crawley, both of their top scores. For different reasons, people love... Um, Gary Balance and John Crawley, the latter because he was one of the most elegant players to play and never quite mm. um, broke through and, and, and established himself for a long England career. But people loved the way that he batted and and the former because of when he got his night off, his shirt off mm. rather in a nightclub and and uh, and and roared to the, the the patrons of the club that on that night he wasn't an English cricketer, he was just a drunken bastard and went out at the end of the night and started chanting England, England after playing in a Test match, which I thought was magic. So I say bring bring Balance back. It was definitely Steve Waugh who broke Border's record because I'm pretty sure I remember that happening. Steve Waugh played 160-something tests yep. um, and he would have been the first one there. But I reckon I reckon Michelle Garland has gone for... It could be a double here. It could be a, a, a duo because 156 is the highest career score in one-day cricket for Lisa Kitely and Claire Taylor the Australian champion Ah. and the England who you often think is Sarah Taylor on a stats list because she comes up as SC Taylor Mm. because she was Samantha um, but but went by Claire. So two of the the great women's ODI players of 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 similar eras who are up against each other a lot, in both cases their highest career one day score was 156. I've got to say if you're going to do a compare the pair I'm going to to go with uh, with Taylor and Kitely over Balance and uh, and Crawley. And Border. (laughs) And and, and, and better than Border as well. That's, that's That's far neater. So in any case, thank you so much. Uh, that, that's really kind. Karan Venter has signed up. Thank you, Karan. 131 is the number there. Thank you, Karan. Okay, so 131 was uh, an Andy Zaltzman uh, during the Ashes. So we've had, Yeah, you told me you had something niche for this, so I'm bracing well, myself. Well, Zaltz was on Nerd Pledge with us a little while ago, and it's only right that we reflect... Uh, on those that have been part of uh, part of the process, he worked out that during the Leeds Test match, uh, where Australia's top order was was routed, with the exception of David Warner, uh, and the England side were all out for sixty seven. Of course, we we know what happens later. But the first couple mm. of days, wickets falling everywhere. The last time nine of twelve batsmen making up both sides' top six had scored between zero and nine in an Ashes Test match um, was eighteen eighty seven eighty eight which was 131 years before. <laughs> so uh, that, that was the stat. Andy, we know from his performance on the final word, he can go, he can go real deep, he can go real obscure. Uh, and to think that that... Often I find that the, the, the sign of an amazing statistician isn't so much what they pump into their database, but what they think to put in 
mm. as an input to, to start find with. those answers. Yeah, yeah, in order to find like, what must have gone through his head to have got to that point yeah. where that stat comes out, and obviously um, uh, that, that's that's um, you know forty years of watching Test cricket in Andy's case. So, um, sure. So that that could be one thirty one. My my thoughts were, were a bit more recent than that um, because one thirty one is the double that that Sean Marsh made when he forced his way back into the one-day team before the World Cup. He made 131 in England last year and then he made 131 again in Australia. It was, was it in against, Adelaide. Was it? Yeah, it was in yeah. the, the Adelaide one sort of late um, last year. He made uh, 131s in quick succession. They weren't back-to-back matches, but they were close too. Yeah. So... That's an option for me because I'm always looking for a Sean Marsh moment. Um, I think that's more likely other, than my um, having, um, yeah. you know, essentially lifted Andy Zaltzman's stat. <laughs> I think, I think or the, or the, the one, <laughs> the one that I hope it is is it's it's also Mohammad Shazad's highest one day international score, one thirty one. Um, the the rotund Afghanistan keeper who yeah. um, was allegedly went home from the World Cup injured and then came out and said he wasn't injured. <laughs> He'd been somehow have been sacked um, with a fair bit of subterfuge involved. So it was his highest ever ODI score, 131. Yeah, that, that, that's a worthy contender as well. We've got a few options there. Um, get back in touch and, and let us know what it was and whether we've got it close to the pin or, or it could be something completely different. The, the thing about numbers in the hundreds is that there are a lot of different options and yeah. that can be sometimes the hardest to work out. But still, it's it's a... It's, it's great to have you on board. Yeah, plenty plenty of candidates. We advise getting up into the twos or threes to be, uh, you know, to, <laughs> to, to have a bit more. Or, you know, the 11s, the 12s, the 20-somethings. <laughs> but the, the rarefied air up there, um, that's, where, that's where we might be better able to zero in on your number. Uh, let's just do one more for today. Matt has signed up. Hello, Matt. Thank you. His pledge is 454. We've had quite a few sort of mid-400s recently. They've generally been partnerships or they've been... Ponsford scores or so on, but this is neither of those. 454, what do you reckon, Adam? Yeah, I thought Ponsford initially, I thought that might have been a score that he made for Victoria, but I was wrong. He didn't make 454. Uh, The only thing I've really got to say about it is that it's Travis Head's test cap. So... A South okay. Maybe a South Australian fan, yep. maybe a Travis Head fan. Of course, Head has been discussed on the podcast today for his unbeaten 109 uh, last mm-hmm. week in the Sheffield Shields. So that would be a nice tie-in, but there's no other logical 454. Look, at, there may be something somewhere that we're missing. It wouldn't be the first time that we've missed an easy one, <laughs> but um, 454, that, that's what I've got I, at the moment. What have you got? Anything going? I did, I did a lot of digging in, in one-day international figures yep. um, in this round for some reason because I just decided that that's where I wanted to look. Uh, Stuart Clark's Best ODI figures, <laughs> four for fifty-four. <laughs> um, didn't play an awful lot of one-day cricket, Stuart Clark, but that was the, the best return that he pulled up. Um, there's also a pair of pretty unlikely bowlers who picked up figures of four for fifty-four in a one-day international. Chris Gale and Sachin Tendulkar each took a four for fifty-four sure. in a one-day international. I'm sure. So. I'm, I'm sure Sachin did, and I'm sure he got all four wickets bowling different types of deliveries. He probably bowled a left arm at the back of the hand at some stage. There it was part of always his, that was his jam, wasn't it? In fifty-over cricket, bowling an off break, then a leg break, then a then a then a, then a flipper, then a googly, and, and all the rest. Yep. So, um, yeah, four, okay, that that works as well. It might be a, a Sachin super fan that that's. Uh, that's uh, that, that, that's in, it's entered our uh, patron DMs, but I, I reckon the most likely scenario that yep. Matt probably is a Travis Head fan. I'm 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 sorry, it's not a Ponsford factoid. I was hoping it was going to be a Ponsford fact that the person that signed me up to the MCC, um, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, his form was signed by Pil- Bill Ponsford before he died. And he signed mine. So I figure that when the time comes, uh, when I'm finally off the waiting list and into the into the enclave, I don't know how far away that's going to be, probably a fair while, I, I shouldn't have any problem when it goes to the membership committee when seeing my, my lineage is, is, you know, MCG royalty, really, when you consider one of the grandstands is named after Ponsford. So um, mm. I'm looking forward to uh, when um, my baby is born in February to hopefully get my his, his or her uh, MCC form also signed by the person that was um, admitted via Bill Ponsford and try and keep a good thing going. Why not? Why not indeed? Well, you go Travis Head, I'll go Stuart Clark, and we'll <laughs> see who's right. Matt, let's call let the whole thing know. off. <laughs> Uh, that is enough Nerd Pledge for this week. If you want to play the game, go to patron.com slash word. It's spelt P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can go to our website, which is finalwordcricket.com. You find the patron thing and basically you just sign up with, with an amount per episode that you'd like to 
donate, you can set a monthly cap on that as well to make sure it doesn't ruin your finances. We do up to four episodes a month, sometimes less, and um, and you can sign up for as long or as short as you would like to to help us keep the podcast rolling. It has been the single thing that has made it so much more possible to keep doing the show on a much more regular basis this year as opposed to the completely half-assed efforts that we did in years past when we might do like six or eight episodes in a year completely sporadically. Yeah, well, look, just to reiterate that, when we first started the patron, it's when we made the pledge to go once a week, and look, the two things have, have married up really neatly that we've been able to have a bit of consistency of purpose. I mean, the reality is by the time we um, research for, record, prepare, edit, pump out this show, it's a, it works out to be a couple of days a week, really, when we're doing it in a fair income way, which we really have been trying to do. And um, the fact that uh, Patron and Nerd Pledge has been there throughout 2019 has made it actually viable. Uh, part of the reason why we were so sporadic historically was that you had to prioritise other bits of work. Well, this is work as well. We want it to be the thing we do best and do most often and and uh, that, that's possible because people have been so generous about the final words. So thank you so much. One last thing before we go, Adam. Uh, now, do not fear, Sat Phone Shop will be back. They're, they're going to get involved in the live shows where there will be Sat Phone adjacent um, content available to you Sat Phone <laughs> freaks out there. I know that people have been enjoying our slightly um, acid jazz takes on uh, satellite phone technology. Um, but we have a new partner we need to announce this week adam future talent we do we do look i've known a lot about future talent for 10 years because one of my best friends indeed my oldest friend in the world is the the man who started it heath evans and uh heath's done a a great job building this company and he said you know what love the final word love what you guys doing love to get involved with you and here we are for the next few months we're going to be talking a lot about sports cards on on the final word so I'm going to go through, Jeff, um, uh, just to give a sense of where they fit in, what they do and how they do it and explain the offer. And and I'm going to tell you all about it. So I'm going to educate you, Jeff, at the same time that I'm going to educate the audience. How's that sound? Oh, bring it on. I love an education. Okay, let's go. So Future Talent, they were founded in Melbourne by a couple of sports fanatics and now they've created over 200,000 custom cards for clubs across Australia. So what you do is you create your own sports card with your name, your photo, your team. It's designed in minutes. It's delivered in days. As low as $1 per card is what it works out to be. It's a great gift for basically presentation night. So a few years ago, back when I was working in a conventional job, I got everyone in my office uh, when they were leaving the office, a bulk, uh, there was a bulk um, group of people leaving mm. at the same time. I got them all football cards made up in their name and it was a great sort of Christmas party trick to pull mm-hmm. as it were so it doesn't just extend to to sport it can be corporate as well but it's a good a good thing so to do w- would i be right in thinking that you can if you for instance have a hilarious nickname for a friend or colleague you could have that put on the card I'm, can they do it in the sort of 80s style with with the inverted commas where they're like gary open commas superman close commas <laughs> ablet that kind of thing i i i'm going to insist on that for the cards that we have for our live show so there's going to be mm. some cards made up of you and i for Maybe the show in, nickname, in melbourne on the well you know you don't use my nickname most people don't use my christian name you know different strokes for different you know what's but the the cards as they're made up that they, they work really well with with trophy nights or recognizing achievements of players rather than just the the few stars who win a trophy i'm not sure what it was like for you playing junior sport jeff but some people always get the trophy, always get the best and fairest. But when you're giving these cards if, out, it's if a by way that of you mean smoking. Um, <laughs> they didn't actually hand out awards for that. But <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I, I, did, Jeff, I did not attend a lot of uh, training or matches. Yeah, there, there was the best and fairest, the, the, the runner-up best and fairest, the most consistent, and, and the best lung capacity goes to Jeff Lemon from uh, yeah. <laughs> for winning that award. So uh, look, the. the <laughs> How many whipped cream charges could you down at one go? <laughs> <laughs> so they're great mementos. I've seen them firsthand. They're absolutely brilliant. Um, they're printed on premium like printing stock using fantastic technology. They look exactly the same way, essentially, that, that you get out of the packet when you buy footy cards. And I know that growing up for us, collecting the set um, was such a big part of both of our childhoods. That's coming back into fashion again. So they're exactly the same as that. So... Club fundraiser, 
Why not consider making your own cards? As I say, a buck a card is what it works out to be. So it's fairly cheap when you consider how you can celebrate your players. It's a great memento for your fans and also a great way to build a new awareness of your club. Um, there's templates, there's logos, there's all of the colouring and whatnot to make it uniquely part of what your club's doing. Heavy-duty packaging, you get hard, clear casing. It looks fantastic, great gift. So whether it's birthday, bucks parties, all this kind of thing, they've been, as I say, they've been going for 10 years now, future talents. So if you can get involved with them, you have an opportunity to do it just like the professional sports people do. And helpfully, we've got a deal going with them at the moment. So if you are listening to the final word and I've managed to persuade you over the last few minutes that getting involved with future talent is something that you might want to do, just punch in final word cricket to the uh, to the offer code, which you'll see on the website there, and you'll get 15% off. So a great time to get involved with future talent. Futuretalent.com.au is where you need to go. Very straightforward URL. Go on there, go through the interface, put your order in and 15% off. Um, you've got a number of things you can do. Of course, we're, we're getting into the, the Christmas season uh, that might be a, an incentive to do something for your cricket club as we head towards that part of the season. Different uh, achievements from the first half, you can recognise them there but also if you're really organised and you're thinking about your presentation night now or w- what better place to go, futuretalent.com.au they've got a five star rating on Google and Facebook which we all know Jeff these days if you've got a five star at Google and a five star at Facebook it probably means you're doing a good thing and that's what you get after ten years of business. They've or it means hard. you've paid a lot of money to someone in Russia. Yeah, one or the other. And I assure you uh, that the guys haven't been doing that. So that, that, that's where to go. Futuretalent.com.au. Drop them a line. Jump on the website. Tell them that you know us at Final Word Cricket and Heath will definitely look after you. Uh, thanks to them. They'll be part of our show, our live show on the 18th at Melbourne and they'll be part of the Final Word family over the next three months. Yeah, so basically they said if the code doesn't work, just drop them an email. It's it's a small operation, so they'll be able to sort you out one way or the other. And um, yeah, if you've got a, a really sweet shot, a great action shot of someone taking a brilliant catch or someone dropping six beers off a tray or whatever it might be, um, you can pop that on the card and away you go. And if you've got a suggestion of what photo of Jeff you want to use for his card, we're all ears for that as well. So we're, we're going to be, I don't know how this is going to work exactly, but there are going to be... Um, yes, cards available. I think at this yeah. at this live show. So um, now is the hour. I wonder how many times Messi Jez is going to send the picture of me running through the sprinklers um, at Headingley. <laughs> I, I, get, I get that one about once every three months, as it is. So um, <laughs> brace yourself. It's, it's 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 not very. It's grainy. I think it's taken from a video still, but you know, yeah. the, the, the passion is there. Oh, the I remember it well. Yeah, futuretalent.com.au. And as I said off the top, uh, that they, they, they're fantastic human beings doing a really cool thing a really fun thing uh, and and it's a bit of a throwback to your childhood and, and something that's quite inclusive to the idea that you know we're not talking about every kid mm. getting a prize so to speak because that's what PC maniacs talk about not that just a really nice thing so why not get involved futuretalent.com.au we don't like everybody getting a prize unless the prize is a massive franking credit um, and then we do <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've now in cro- my day, in, in my generation, we just bought seven houses, so none of you could afford to. Okay, boomer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I loved um, somebody sending that to Andrew Bogut, the, uh, who obviously plays okay, for the Australian boomer. Boomers. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> said person was immediately blocked. Do you think um, that, do you think that, I mean, I, I think now we've reached the stage where boomers are, we're almost less problematic than older Gen Xs. Uh, by that I mean that the, the types that <laughs> that put a full stop before their who put a, who put a space before their punctuation. Let's say um, those that have they've got you can you, you can really spot them on Twitter, uh, and they're more prevalent on Twitter than, than the boomers. Anyway, just yeah, a, I, I just a thought to leave you with le- older Gen Xs. The problems are less generational than they are that there are fuckwits in every generation. Um, <laughs> That's no and fun. And they're generally the ones who make themselves known. We veered fairly widely from futuretalent.com.au, but we'll be back there next week. Um, we won't be so rigid in what we tell you next week. We'll, we'll get creative because that's what we do. Uh, if you want to be involved with uh, the yep. final word, drop us a line at finalwordcricket at gmail.com. Adam, can we make a, a T-shirt in our merch department that just says there are fuckwits in every generation? <laughs> we can and we will. <laughs> this is Jeremy Coney. Born 21, 6, 19. <laughs> so I'm a little older than you thought. And I'm on the final word. And who better to say the final word? Jeremy. 
This is the final word. Jeff Lemon here. Adam Collins with me. A lot of thank yous. We always like to thank um, Bad Producer Production, Jay Mueller, Astrid Edwards, uh, DC. There, there are so many people that, that make this show work behind the scenes. Um, we like to thank everyone that reviews and rates the show. We love to thank our Patreon subscribers. It, it feels almost not enough to say subscribers. I really do feel like we've got a great thing going there. And if you heard Nair Pledge earlier, you'll know that we, we do really love um, having uh, the involvement of people via that platform. So patreon.com forward slash final word cricket. The final word, Adam, forward slash the final the word. The final word. How many times am I going to get that wrong? And finalwordcricket.com, of course, is the website where you can buy tickets to the live shows. The 18th of November in Melbourne and the 27th of November with Jason Gillespie and Jim Maxwell in Adelaide. Yes, it's getting pretty close to the Melbourne show. Um, I'm coming up with plenty of ideas and, and pretty excited about that. So we will be with you for that live show pretty soon. We'll be with you throughout the month of November on the pre-recorded uh, daily, well, not daily, weekly pod. And the, uh, gee, the test matches are coming up pretty soon as well. So stick with us on the final word. We'll speak to you in another week or so. Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins signing off. So you know what I meant here. I had to go.